Blog Talk Radio. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one. We have ignition. Strap in. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Way in Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, and joined always with co-host Jonathan Miklos. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hope you're having a good evening. Hold on, let me bring him on. I feel like a rookie over here in the studio. My bad, Jonathan. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Just uh, getting ready to do a little fundraiser for uh, my little brother. For uh, okay. his travel team, we've got about uh, 45 minutes to kill with you. That's all. Okay. Well, good, good, good for me. At least Lexi's coming on. Lexi Davis, Auburn softball pitcher, two-time World Series pitcher. Lexi Davis will be on with us tonight, around seven Eastern. So, Jonathan, that gives us little time. We we got 30 minutes to, to break down Game Seven tonight of the NBA Finals and playing in that game, the Golden State Warriors defending champions at home against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, hey, am I coming in okay? Do I sound clear? Oh, you sound clear. It just sounds like you got a little more hair in your chest tonight than usual. Yeah. <laughs> I do, actually. I haven't shaved this week. Um, <laughs> glad, you, glad, you, glad you pointed that out. So. <laughs> anyway, I mean, are you surprised that we're sitting here after after the Cleveland Cavaliers dug themselves a 3-1 hole? Are you surprised that we're sitting here in Game 7 playing for the championship? I mean, this is unbelievable. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I really did not see that coming after Game 4. Um, you know, LeBron James has proved once again that he is the best backbone basketball player uh, in the NBA right now. I mean, he, he's phenomenal. He's definitely put himself in upper echelon as, as a great player. He has willed his team. Kyrie Irving has done a phenomenal job of uh, reinventing himself on the fly as the series has gone. I mean, wow. This is amazing. Yeah, and look, you could hate LeBron James. You You may not think he's better than Jordan, but there's no doubt that LeBron James is one of the best of all time. I mean, look at his size, he, he's a Cam Newton-type player, just unstoppable with his, his size, his weight, and, and he, he, he has all the intangibles. I mean, he can do it all. And I'm willing, I'm just ready to see how much effort LeBron James comes out with tonight, looking in his eyes before the game. He's been here before. He's been in Game 7 many a time. He's never won with Cleveland in the Game 7, but – how do you think he comes out tonight? I mean, I give the experience factor to Cleveland. I know Golden State's defending champions, but if anybody's gotten in Golden State's head, it's Cleveland. I mean, you got Curry getting ejected from a ball game, throwing his mouthpiece. He's never been ejected from a ball game. Um, 
I don't know. Green's playing like he's scared. And I, I don't know what's going to happen tonight, man. It's a five-point spread. But how do you think LeBron comes out tonight? I think LeBron comes out fired up, ready to go. Uh, this is, you know, I think this is going to be a game seven performance uh, against Boston. Um, I think this is going to be like uh, the, the, you know, the finals last year where game one through six, he was unstoppable. And even the past two games, he's been downright unstoppable. I think that's the LeBron we're going to get tonight. He he really has been phenomenal. It's been a joy to watch him. For somebody that I have nitpicked um, ever since he left Cleveland uh, that first time, um, you know, I've nitpicked him a little more here and there than, in all honesty, I probably should have. But, you know, it, it, everybody knows how it is. With with the greatness of your play, the greatness of your talent, comes the little nitpicking here or there of things you do. And he has shut everybody up over the past two nights, or two games. How do you think the role players for Cleveland can play on the road tonight? I know at home it's easier for those guys to play and, and feed off the crowd. How are they going to play in this environment tonight? Because the key to me is they come in and they get hot early and keep the crowd silent and get an early lead. I don't – how do they play? How do the, who has to step up tonight for Cleveland? We know LeBron, we know Irving, they're going to step up. But who, who do we have to see maybe come off the bench, maybe be a third guy that, that helps his team? Who are you looking at? Uh, Tristan Thompson has to dominate. I mean, downright, you know, with Bogut not being there, Thompson has got to be the force inside and tear it up. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, if Thompson has a 15-15 night, I think it's a safe bet that Cleveland has a great shot of winning this game. Because, you know, the great thing about Tristan is that when Cleveland is rolling, he's dominating the offensive boards. And, you know, second-chance opportunities are so, are huge. And it's part of the re- it's part of the way to slow down Golden State offensively because they do a great job rebounds fast break. Uh, so you know I think Tristan Thompson has a huge night uh, defensively and rebounding wise. Then you know Golden State is in. I mean Cleveland's at a pretty feat. Well, let me tell you this stat: no team has ever come back from a three to one deficit to win the finals, and Golden State has not lost three straight games since Curry's come on board. Something could give tonight, man. If, if if LeBron James is the champion after tonight, what does this do for his legacy, really? I know losing, you're going to hear, oh, LeBron, he can make it in the East if he can't win the big game. What does this say about LeBron James's legacy if he wins this championship after being down 3-1 to one to the arguably the best team of all time record-wise? So, I mean, this is a big deal. Well, I think there's a couple things. If LeBron does, you know, in Cleveland as the team, if they win a championship tonight, LeBron's never leaving Cleveland. They're going to put up 16 statues of him all throughout the state of Ohio by the by the beginning of next <laughs> season. Um, he'll be elected mayor, governor, to both senator seats and to the House of Representatives of East District. <laughs> I mean – He'll be on everybody's ballot for president in that state. I mean, it'll be amazing to see what can happen for LeBron because if he does this, he goes down as one of the guys to help break the curse. You know, it's just like, you know, looking at another sport, looking at the Red Sox in baseball. After they won the World Series in 2004 and broke their curse, everybody became a hero. But it was mainly guys like David Ortiz who became the guy of Boston. And, you know, they wanted him to run for mayor and things like that. So I, I, for LeBron, I think this almost makes him immortal. 
as far as the state of Ohio goes. And as far as the NBA legacy, I think everybody will be more than willing to put him in a top five category. Hey, how about this? How about, you know, the GOP, they don't want Donald Trump. If, if LeBron wins, could he possibly run for president in place of Donald Trump? <laughs> I, I'll tell you what. He wouldn't win California. He wouldn't he would win Florida. <laughs> he would probably win Ohio from the surrounding states. <laughs> I think LeBron could beat Hillary. What do you, I mean, he'd come in and, and beat her. I mean, this, this is crazy what he's able to do. But, but how does Kevin – see, I think the key player tonight is Iguodala. I think – I don't think he's healthy. I, I think he's in pain. I think he's not as mobile and – LeBron James smells blood in the water. And what about Kevin Love tonight? He played 12 minutes a game. I think it was game six. 12 minutes, Johnson. I mean, that sends a message maybe that, hey, we're going to rest you for game seven, or you're out the door, buddy. I think either way, he's, he's out with Cleveland. But what does that say Love only playing 12 minutes in game six? Well, I, I, I heard this earlier in the week, and I have to agree with it. I think the biggest blessing for Cleveland was uh, Love picking up those two fouls early in game six because that gave them a, a legitimate reason to sit him. They need to sit him. They do not want to play him. Uh, I don't think their team runs great with him on the floor. I think if you have him on the floor, you can't have Tristan. If you don't have Tristan, you're giving up his defense, and the best thing about Tristan is he can cover up Tyree's lack of defense. So uh, you know, I think for Kevin – uh, I think he's going to come off the bench tonight. I think that'd be the best bet for him. Have him sit in the corner, shoot threes. Have him uh, crash the boards on defense. But I, you cannot start him next to Tristan because Golden State's not going big. You can't have two bigs out there. They can't go big. They don't have Bogut, so they're going to play small ball all night. So whenever Tristan needs the rest, you put trust? Kevin out there. Who do you trust in the game seven on the road in the championship? Do you trust Tristan Thompson or do you trust Kevin Love? I trust the guy that's uh, helped carry this team for the past two victories, and that's Tristan. Because uh, Kevin. Yeah, you don't want to mess. You don't want to mess with that, do you? You don't want to no, mess with it, that that lineup. You know you? how it is. You played chemistry, right? Yeah, I mean it's weird how you know Kevin loves the guy all season, but for some reason he's just he doesn't match up well with Golden State. That's a problem. He. He, in, in order to beat Golden State, you have to play defense. You have to, you have to play on those guards, and you have to, you have to rebound and play defense. And he can't do it. Tristan Thompson at least makes people. You don't come under the goal and get a cheap basket. I mean, he's going to make sure he's going to rebound. He can get some offensive boards. Uh, I think Irving plays a lot better with Thompson in the game too. But tonight it's about one player, I and mean, it's about LeBron James, man. How LeBron plays is. I'm just ready to see this game. I, it's been a long time since I've been excited about it. I was excited about OKC, or OKC Golden State, but I just had that feeling that, you know, OKC shot themselves in the foot in game six and choked. You were right. Mentally, they weren't in it. This Cleveland team looks like a team that says, okay, you know, we, we can do this. And it, it is the cause, to me, it's the frustration of this Golden State team that looked unbeatable at times. Now they look very beatable, and it looks like Cleveland's gotten in their head. Does Golden State have enough energy left for one more game? I know the crowd's going to keep them in it, but the crowd's great, but 48 minutes is a long time when you're tired. 
I agree. I, I do think there's been a lot of frustration shown by Golden State. I think uh, they need to keep Draymond and Steph level-headed. You know, if Clay, it's funny. If Clay gets upset, get ready for a hot streak when he gets back on the floor. If Draymond get upset, they're going to start clunking. They're going to start ma- making mistakes that they usually wouldn't. So for Cleveland, it'd be smart to get in Draymond and Steph's head. Hey, that's, a, that's a good point. And how do they get it? How do they get it in their heads tonight? Because here's the deal. You know, it, you don't have to worry about game eight or nine. So Green's not going to get suspended for the next game. Even if he gets a flagrant foul tonight, he's not kicked out of the game, right? Right. Yeah, unless it's a flagrant two, um, flagrant one, he he should be fine. I think that's how that works. But I don't think this guy can control himself. I don't. And I, and I played basketball, and I know that I'm a different person on that court. That when I get mad, sometimes it's it's over. I mean, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in the wall. I'm gonna try to break your neck, and I don't give a damn about consequences. And and imagine this guy in the NBA. I mean, he he just can't help himself from being dirty. And uh, I, I don't think he should have been ejected from that game five though. That's we haven't got to talk about that yet. I don't believe, but I don't think he should have been suspended. He should have been suspended in OKC. But don't you think it was a little harsh suspending him in game five, really? Yeah, I thought, given the circumstances and the situation, I thought it was a little uh, overboard to suspend him. Now, I understand that he was at a, you know, he reached the limit, but at the same time, it's the NBA Finals. Now, granted, let's say he gets a, you know, if he had gotten a tech in game six, he would have been suspended game seven if they hadn't suspended him game five. So, you know, for Golden State, it's almost a blessing that he got suspended for the game he did. It's just unfortunately it killed their momentum because at that point they're up three to one. Like they were going to roll through the series, and they get to come back home and boom, up, oh, nope, nope, no, 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 Draymond, sorry, and you're like, oh wait a minute. <laughs> so I, I mean, I do, I do think you know it was a little egregious, but at the same time, I think it was good for you know just in case go uh, Cleveland and win that game no matter what that Draymond had been suspended for that game because at least he got a game to kind of get some feel back after missing the one. Um, and now, you know, you're back home for game seven. I mean, you, you need him more than ever. Yeah, it sucks he got suspended game five in Golden State. That was going to put it away, I think. But, you know, he, it was the wrong time to be suspended. All of a sudden, the wheels get turning. Come game six, you win in Cleveland. Now, you're, now all the pressure in the world is on Golden State, in my opinion. So, But game six, I think Curry made it. I think in normal circumstances, he would be sitting out this game, too, with his actions in game six. What do you think? Well, from what I heard um, after the game, the throwing of the mouthpiece actually wasn't a suspendable offense. Uh, I guess what what the NBA said was it's a mandatory $25,000 fine, but it's not a – they wouldn't suspend him for it even if it was a regular season game. Um, And and I'm okay with that. I mean, it's no different than, let's say, a guy throwing the headband um, you know, they're not going to suspend somebody for chucking a headband. Uh, you know, but I, my thought was, and I, you know, I had a buddy who mentioned it to me at the time it happened. He goes, what if Steph, when he, you know, swung his fist after he got ejected, you know, he's all shaved angry and just lashed. If he connected with a kid, with one of the Cleveland players, that would have been something to see what the NBA would have done. Because, yeah, it would have been, you know, it would have been an accident, but at the same time, like, he just kind of hit somebody. So, 
And, you know, luckily that didn't happen, but it very game six was very weird. Very, very weird. Yeah, it looked almost bought off, didn't it? Well, if you listen to Aisha Curry and David Price, it was. <laughs> That's pretty funny. His wife out there tweeting, it's rigged and all this. But here's, I want you to, here's Curry's comments coming up to this game. And tell me what you think about this. Curry's saying, I need to play my best game of the year, if not my career tonight. Is he putting too much pressure on himself? And it's I. I mean, it's not we need to play the best. It's I need. It seems like to me that statement, as an athlete myself, as a player, I think he may be putting, he may be imploding a little bit, putting too much pressure on himself. And he needs to let his teammates bail him out sometimes to get in the flow of the game. I mean, what do you think about that comment? Seth wasn't the franchise player, I'd say, he put too much pressure on himself. But he's a franchise player, and he's looked, kind of bad for the majority of this series, to be honest. Cleveland's gotten to him. They know how to play him. Um, you know, he hasn't been hitting shots as as anticipated. So I think looking at it, Steph's right. He does need to have a great game tonight. Steph needs to come out and be Steph. The greatest game of his career, I don't know about that. But I like the whole let's set the bar high and we land on the moon. I still had a good night. But everybody else needs to get involved. Steph needs to have a double-double kind of night. He needs to have thirty point, you know, thirty plus points, ten plus assists, um, for 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 the team to win tonight. I I I fully believe that. And Steve Kerr is saying it's insane to deem Warriors' season a failure if they lose the finals. Well, I'm I'm not. I don't think it's insane to say that. I think if Golden State loses tonight, after being up three games to one over Cleveland, the season's a failure. I don't care what record they won in the regular season. It's a failure, Jonathan. After being defend- after winning the championship last year, after after all this happened, this would be a failure in my mind. Do you agree or disagree? Well, here's my belief on that, and it's just like if you lose a championship in, in, in any any level, people are like, "Oh, you guys had a great season." Well, I don't believe you had a great season if your last moment of playing left a better taste in your mouth. I think that would be a bad season at that point. So looking at it, I think in the case of Golden State, if they don't win game seven at home to win the to win the championship, I would deem it as a failure. And I'll tell you something. I'll give you an example. Auburn, Florida State, that year, Auburn came out of nowhere, played to Florida State, came out of nowhere, if you'd have told Auburn fans before the national championship game, hey, you're going to lose by three points to Florida State, they were a favorite ten and a half or so. You'd have been like, okay, this has been a real good season. We hung in there. But after having the lead with second left in the game and giving up a touchdown, it kind of feels like a disappointment, doesn't it? Oh, I imagine it did. Yeah, so up three to one. Up three to one right now if you're if – you're, Golden State that three to one. You got the game clincher at home right here. Go game game five at home to end it. You lose that and turn around and lose game six. So now it is a very big disappointment. If this would have been one to one, two two, you know, three two stuff like that, it'd be different. But this was a I mean, this was a five game series in my mind. Golden State Cleveland once I saw it on the court, and now this is like free money. 
LeBron James and Cleveland are playing with house money right now, Jonathan. They're, that's why I say all the pressure is on Golden State. It looks like the pressure is getting some big time in game six. So we'll, how do you think it's going to play tonight, the pressure? How, how are you going to know if, Cleve, if Golden State's letting the pressure get to them? What, what are you looking for? I'm looking for uh, shots early in the clock that look uh, pressured. Uh, you know, Golden State. One of the best things they do is is the whole pass, pass, pass. You know, pass. You know, pass on the open shot to pass to the wide open shot. And, and you know, if Golden State is running down there and they're shooting within seven seconds every time, and they're starting to clank them, and you're seeing hands in the face, I, I think that's when you know, oh lord, the pressure's gotten to them. <laughs> How are they going to handle this? Uh, you know, and I think if Cleveland runs out to an early double digit lead. That's when you know Golden State let the pressure get to him from the get. Yeah, that's that's what I'm looking for. That's exactly what I'm looking for, and I'm I'm looking at I like body language. I like to look at the I want to see Iguodala how his does he look hurt? Does he does he seem like he's in pain? Because if he's hurting early, he's going to be really hurting late. Um, and I just want to see the look in LeBron's eyes, man. I want to see that look. I want to see. If he's got that look of, oh, no, here we go again, or I'm ready to take this thing over. But he can't do it alone. He's going to have to have Irving and, and another guy step up. Nobody can do it alone. But uh, I don't know. I just want to see what LeBron looks like tonight. Yeah, I mean, if LeBron comes out that look in his eye and he hits his first, let's say, three jumpers, get, get buckle up. I mean, this is going to be a ride. You know, because LeBron's hitting his jump shot early, He's going to hit it all game. It's going to be something to see. You know, and of course, it's always the well, second half LeBron, the first half LeBron, two different people. You, know, you could say that almost about anybody in any sport in all reality. Um, but, I mean, if, if LeBron comes up the third quarter and he's still scoring, who's keeping up? I mean, Steph's got to try and keep up. Clay, you know, Clay's probably been Golden State's best player this whole series and, and has not been getting a lot of love for it. You know, and it's going to be great to see, you know, if Clay hits his first couple threes, get ready. Because, you know, if he hits the first couple, he's got the touch for the whole night. He's proven that. Well, who's the MVP of the series that Golden State wins tonight? Who's the, who's the MVP overall, or who am I saying is going to be the MVP? Because the NBA don't want to give it to a losing team. I think who do you think should be the MVP if Golden State wins tonight? LeBron. Yeah. Just like last year. I agree. Should have been LeBron. But but who are they going to give it to if Golden State wins? Clay. Okay. They're going to give it to Clay. Yeah, that would th- be the best, best idea. Yeah, I think LeBron deserved it last year, and I think he deserves it this year. You don't put up numbers like he's doing and put your team on your back and, and just – I mean, the, it's just unbelievable – how good LeBron James is. And he, I mean, he, he's not as good as he used to be, Jonathan, but he's smarter, which which makes him better in this type of game, in a game seven. He just has to be great for one game. He doesn't have to worry about the rest of the season. He's going to lay it all out on the line tonight. And uh, does Cleveland's bench have to outscore Golden State tonight to get the W? You know, that's a, that's a real good question. We're going with no, because Cleveland's bench is mainly Richard Jefferson and um, Mo Williams. So, uh, 
you know, I think you know, I think it, uh, Cleveland starters have to outscore Golden State starters. I don't know if the bench play matters as much as far as scoring. Yeah, but I mean, they they need some quality minutes off that bench, Cleveland. Uh, it might not be the, the scoring, but they need some minutes off that bench. They need to give give some players some rest if need be. But again, this is Game Seven. There's no tomorrow, so you don't have to rest. You don't have to to pace yourself, really. Do you? I mean, LeBron James. Do you think he comes out tonight? No, I don't think LeBron or Kyrie sits a minute tonight. Wow, I don't either. I don't, uh, and, and maybe if he if he does, it's at the end of the first period with under a minute left, and they're trying to get him the TV, you know, with the commercials and everything, and a couple of whistles, giving about a five or ten minute break mm-hmm. with a minute left in the first quarter. That's what I see. I don't I don't see him coming out unless he gets in foul trouble. How how are the officials going to call it tonight? Are they going to let him play, or are they going to start calling full crap fouls like they did in Game Six? Well, it's game seven, so I gotta imagine the what was brought to them was play loose. Let them play loose. Don't call the hand checks and the reach ins as much. If it's egregious, call it. If if, if it's a fifty fifty call, let it go. I think that would be what Silver and the NBA would would pass down to them. Mm. Yeah, but I mean you, but why don't you call it the same the same way you've done all series? You know why? Because it hasn't been done the same all series, has it? No, it has not, and that would make too much sense, Brian. You know that. Yeah, I just what I don't want to see is either side now. I don't want to see like Curry go out with two cheap fouls early in the first period. I don't want to see Clay or LeBron or Irving. Let let the stars be stars. Let them play. And you know, call your picky tag players on people that don't matter. But we people are here to see. They're here to see LeBron James. They're here to see Kyrie Irving. They're here to see Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. You know, that's who they want to see. Do not get them out of the game. Right, I agree 100%. All right, so how long are you going to be able to join us tonight, Jonathan? I got about another five minutes. Five minutes? I just got the text message. I got another five minutes. Okay. Lexi will be with us probably around 7 Eastern. Anything you want to add before you go for the NBA Finals? Uh, not much. I mean, looking at the NBA Finals, I'm excited. This might be one of the few times that I watch a game start to finish. I tend not to do it with the NBA because, well, for the most part, who cares what happens in the first half? Um, usually I tune in the first qu- the fourth quarter and go from there. Um, but I'm, I'm going to watch this one start to finish. I'm expecting a great one. I'm expecting uh, Lakers-Celtics game seven type material. Uh-oh. I still think OKC is the best team in basketball, man. I, I still do. Call me stupid, but who do you have your money on tonight? I know you've already placed a bet. If there's a game on, you're betting it. <laughs> hey, you're funny. Uh, no, actually, I've, I'm uh, refraining from uh, placing any money on this game because uh, I don't have a true feel of what's going to happen. I don't like the spread. I think the spread's a little too high. Um, I would have put it more like two and a half, three. 
Uh, but if they had done that, they would have gotten more action on Golden State. So uh, I- I'm going to say Golden State wins the game tonight. Take it away to spread. I- I'm just going to make a prediction that Golden State guts it out and wins by, you know, like on the last uh, last 24-second shot just because they're playing Cleveland, and that's kind of always how Cleveland loses. Wow. So you, you think Golden State's going to win it, but – the storyline, though, the media, who who does who does ESPN, who does the national media want to win tonight? Cleveland. Yeah, it's it's a bigger storyline, isn't it? Because it gives you more it gives you more material to talk about while you're you're looking at it now from you know the summer months. It's baseball. That's all you have. But what kind of talk show could you have for the next month just on this this NBA finals? Oh, I mean, if Cleveland wins, it's Cleveland finally got a championship. Uh, LeBron came home and did what he said he was going to do. You know he's staying. LeBron's the greatest of all time. LeBron this. I mean, for the next month, ESPN's going to have a LeBron marathon if Cleveland wins. Whereas if Golden State wins, I feel like it's going to be, yeah, we kind of thought this was going to happen. Uh, it was kind of inevitable. So congratulations, but nobody cares. Fast your parade. Well, Jonathan, enjoy your evening. Good luck with everything. Hope you enjoy the basketball game. I'm going to pick the Cavaliers in a, in a close one at the end. I think LeBron James takes over the last five minutes of the game. They get lost into the boards. They get the free throws. And if you remember, remember what I said, no team has ever come back in the finals from three to one. But, Jonathan, you have a good night, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. And we're about to bring our guest on, Lexi Davis. She has played at Auburn for four years. She's been a great pitcher. She's been a part of the rebuilding process at Auburn over the last three years. And in that three years, the last three years, they've made two World Series appearances, lost the semifinals last year, made it all the way to the championship this year against Oklahoma, fell short by one run. But what a great year and what a great career for Lexi Davis. Lexi, welcome to Way In Sports Talk. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Um, thank you for coming. I've been looking forward. We've been trying to get this interview for a while. <laughs> so glad we can we could, we could make it tonight. You, you're graduated. You're eager to get now. Yes, I um, I graduated last August with a degree in political science, um, and I'm finishing up my first master's this summer. Well, congratulations. Uh, I was looking to just, you know, through your career, you know, reading your stats. One thing, and, you know, I'm going back to high school here, if you don't mind, but <laughs> your senior year in high school, your senior year, 33-1, and one, I've never seen an ERA of .23 with 279 strikeouts, Gatorade and ESPN play a year. I mean, how do you get an ERA of .23? How is that even possible? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a great <laughs> question. Um, it was I tell you what, that year was something something else. I have obviously all the awards, but winning the state championship with a team that you know we we worked our butts off. But every every game, I don't know, it was just uh, it was just me trying to to overcome each and every batter. And I, I had a great great high school coach who I loved dearly and still in contact with. And I she was obviously the, uh, my pitching coach, and she just handled everything behind the scenes and called great pitches, and I just executed, and uh, 
you know, had a phenomenal, phenomenal senior year. So I was I was really grateful for that. And he struggled as a junior with only a point four three ERA. So <laughs> uh, I can't I can't, I can't you believe what. you improved. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I um yeah it, it was. It, it was something that I'd never gone in thinking about, but was just uh, just happy to um, kind of get through each and every game when seeing seeing zero shutouts. It was it was just a good uh, good run for me in high school. So it, it all changed when I got to Auburn. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, and, and that's the next question: being the ESPN and Gatorade Player of the Year, what what made mm-hmm. you choose Auburn, and, and how long were you looking at Auburn when you chose? Um, it's funny you ask. I had no idea what Auburn was until <laughs> until I came on a visit my the beginning of my sophomore year of high school. Um, I was fifteen and I played for a travel ball team in New Jersey, um, an eighteen other showcase team when I was thirteen. Um, so I was playing for that team and the Steve Johnson, the old assistant coach, he saw me up there and, and kinda of brought me down. Um and said, you know, come visit. We'll we'll show you a good time and everything about our school. So I came. Um, I came with my mom, and we came down. And I tell you what, it's probably the football game that got me, <laughs> that, that hooked me. Um, just the atmosphere and the the family aspect of Auburn. It's something that is literally unimaginable until you experience it. And um, once I got here, it was my first visit. They offered me a full ride right on the table and I took a, about a month to think about it when I went home and then I, I committed. So it was from then on, it was Auburn ever since. So it was like your junior and senior year of high school, you were able to focus on winning a state championship. And, and like you said, it, each batter that came up and took all the pressure off of you, right? Exactly. And, you know, it was funny because all my classmates, all my, all my, uh, teammates were all worried about college applications and, and uh, interviews and essays and I was just sitting back worrying about softball and getting to go on visit and having a, a great time so I was I was really really fortunate and I'm so glad that I, I chose Auburn. Can, can let's go back to your freshman year and sophomore what mm-hmm. what was the biggest impact you know as a freshman I believe you didn't have coach Clint Myers what what was the difference that he brought? What, how how was it different your freshman year compared to your sophomore when Clint Myers came? Um, you know, I've thought about this for a long time, and I, it, it's Tina, the old coach Tina D. She she was a great uh, great coach for obviously a very long time here at Auburn, but um, she was a, like a mom figure, and I don't know. I I I struggled my freshman year. I was only nine and nine, and I I didn't have a great ERA and. It was just a big adjustment period. Um, I knew deep down that I was good enough, but it was just something about playing the Floridas and the the Alabamas that, you know, coming from a a small town outside of Charlotte, you know, you never thought you would be on the stage. (laughs) And then you're thrown in there, and it's like it's a whole different world. But after that first year and we learned that Coach Myers was coming, um, he he just – took over and made us all buy in to what he was saying. It's actually funny. He actually recruited me before I came to Auburn. Um, he recruited me at Arizona State. So he wanted me to come on a visit when I was out in California, um, but was not able to go due to it being so far away, which actually I just think it's funny, kind of kind of how fate works out. But 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. He he immediately came in, and I remember us sitting down in the upstairs room of the arena, and all the coaches just looked at us all in the face and said, we will go and win a national championship, or we will be at the College World Series. And we all looked at each other like, you're saying crazy? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Um, and because, you know, coming off of that first season, we didn't even make it to the SEC tournament. So we were just kind of like, um, does this guy know what he's talking about? And, of course, we he just made us believe. He just made us buy in. And from then I got – he brought a lot of different aspects from baseball that you would – you uh, don't really see put into play in softball but actually make a lot of sense because the sports are similar. Um, just people have always tried to make softball softball and baseball baseball. Well, you can – you know, integrate the two on, on some levels. And so he just, him and his son, Corey, who is my, my coach, my pitching coach, um, we just went out and worked. We worked our butts off. We, we got, you know, different styles in there. I tried a bunch of different things pitching wise and we just, uh, came up with this, this great formula and, um, with everybody, all the seniors, we bought into the program and every word that they said, and we, they made us believe in ourselves and, that's the funny part is that we didn't really have many new players from the first year team. It was just a change in ourselves and the way that we saw us as a team and us as players. So, so, so be honest on this question. After your freshman year at nine nine record, did you ever think you'd mm-hmm. be the winningest pitcher in Auburn history? Absolutely not. <laughs> I <laughs> I remember my first uh my freshman year playing Florida, and I, I got in with, like, she just threw me in with, I think it was the bases loaded, and I gave up a grand slam to Bailey Castro. And I just remember thinking, like, do I really belong here? And am I really going to be successful? And just all the, not doubt, but just, you know, kind of, it makes you question a little bit. And so if you would have told me that year that I would be, I would hold a wins record and, and we would have two SEC championships and two college World series appearances, one in the final game, I would have been like, "You're you're crazy." There's no way. Well, I'm just amazed. I mean, everybody's talking Auburn softball. How does it feel to be a part of the resurrection of Auburn softball and leaving a legacy behind? It? All these new these new girls, they come in. These new mm-hmm. young ladies, they're going to get a chance to win that championship, and I believe they're going to do it soon. But how does it feel to lay the foundation mm-hmm. for them? Oh, it's it's amazing. It's something that you know it. To see the progress and to be a part of the progress is it's something that you dream of, you know, coming into a program, you want to have an impact, and for the first time, or first time coming in, we didn't think we really would. And to just totally turn that around, it makes you feel relevant. You know, it makes you feel like a part of something bigger than yourself, and uh, which it was. It's, you know, it, we're the start, and everybody will remember you know, and talk about this team. And um, the only thing that could have made this better, obviously, would be a win in the last game. But we had a lot of lessons to learn, and I think that everybody saw the character and the heart of this team and this coaching staff. And what, I mean, I just think, not not trying to be biased, but I just think we exude what Auburn is, what, what Auburn uh, stands for. And I think that everybody um, – Everybody likes watching us, and we like performing for everyone. And I just, I don't know. It's really, really something special, and I'm really glad that I was a part of it. 
and, and I'm maybe I'm biased as well, but when I've watched Oklahoma, when I watched Auburn, I could tell the team with the the most chemistry, and it was it was Auburn. It was one hit away from from winning a World Series. There's uh-huh. not much separating the two teams. It's a best of three series. You you pitch game one, you pitch a perfect game almost, and it shows you how hard it is to win at that level. I mean, how did you feel after the game one World Series? I'm sorry, say it again. How did you feel after after a three to two loss game one of the World Series? How did the team uh, uh, respond to that? Well, um, it was just it was hard to see how well that I had thrown because of the loss. Um, you know, you you throw that well and you get an L in the end, and you're like, crap, what do I have to do? But I think that at the end of that game, when we started to get on the page, um, we we really saw that. We could like we could do it. We were in this final game. We were at another point yet we hadn't been to. Just like you know, our team of first, we were always doing something new. And I think that once we started to hit her some, we could feel life start to come and and hope and belief. And um, it's funny because the reason I feel like we had we had such a tough and close game with them is because we were really almost facing or playing ourselves because that team. I'll have to give it to them. That team is, is as close to Auburn softball as you can get without being Auburn softball. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just think that um, yeah, I had been – I had not pitched much up to that point, and I was really glad that he gave me the opportunity because we had a, we had the surprise factor. Um, he should have seen their faces when they called my name for the starting lineup. They were flipping through uh, – <laughs> flipping through scouting reports trying to figure out what I did. But um, I'm just glad that I got the opportunity to pitch in the last series and I, I, I did as well as I did and kind of showed showed why uh, why I should have been out there, you know. Uh, but it, it was just a really cool thing to see, especially coming from that first game to the second game and winning that second game in the way that we did. Um, there's nothing more that you could have asked for, to be honest. Lacey, I was trying to go to sleep early that night. I was in, in the good day screening. Auburn comes back. So I think it was 7 nothing, I believe, and, and it was mm-hmm. just um, amazing to, to watch that comeback. But, but you know, this season compared to last season, it seems like this season you had a lot more adversity with losing both of your shortstops during the season. Mm-hmm. How, how tough was that on the team? And how did you guys keep it together and, and, and make the World Series, really? I mean, that's just something. Losing a shortstop. Um, right. It it was it was definitely tough, especially losing them so early in the season. We all thought that we would have a chance to get them back, and then, um, then when Turtle came back, we were all so happy and so excited for her, and then for her to do it again. Um, I will tell you what I think that was the turning point of the season because we had just come off you know that that horrible weekend at Tennessee, and then the not so great weekend at A and M. And it would have been really easy for any other team to just kind of fold over at that point and give up. But I think because of Turtle on senior day, um, and, you know, I, I will forever I will forever look up to her and just, you know, um, praise her for her determination, her work ethic, and how strong of a person she is. I, I love her so much. Um, but she is the reason that we turned this around because we just – we had – something we wanted to play for and we knew that 
taken from us at any moment for any reason. And for her to end her entire career on that that way, we just wanted to do everything we could for her. And I think that's that's how we overcame everything is because we had a reason to fight and we had someone that couldn't do it anymore. So we wanted to step up and do it for her. Yeah, it was just amazing just, just to watch. I mean, how sweet was it to, to beat Alabama starting off the the SEC tournament, I believe, and then you, you beat Georgia. Georgia was a tough game, and LSU, mm-hmm. the end of it, LSU was even more sweet, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, anytime you beat Alabama, you're you're having a great day. Um, and so, the deep, I mean, those are three teams in SEC there that we – we have always faced and always had a tough matchup against. Um, so to I think to beat LSU, um, I don't know why that game was so fun. I think that they, we just thought we just could tell that they thought they had they had everything locked down from that point when they came into that game, and to beat them that way that we did was it felt really good for some reason. Probably more probably better than it should have. Um, yeah. But uh, no, it was to take down those three teams. I think that that's kind of what propelled us to really um, kick it into gear after those, after the to respond in that way from Tennessee and A and M to just go into the SEC tournament and dominate and then have a great regional super regional. Um, we just knew that we were going to make a good run and that we we had no reason to not believe that we could do it. And, and playing in the SEC, like every every series is is like a playoff. So when, when you got to the World Series and and and, and the regional, super regional, when, when when you started playing teams outside the SEC, what was tougher in your mind, playing those SEC teams every day or playing the the out of conference teams? Oh, I definitely think it's playing SEC every every day because if you look at it and look at the past you know few years. The SEC has been dom, you know, dominant. Uh, I just think that going into the World Series after coming off the SEC tournament and all of our all of our SEC series, it's when you play those new teams, um, you're not in a you're not in a situation to really feel nervous or anxious because you're playing someone new. You're just playing to play the perfect game, um, to have your perfect game because. You know the team's going to be good, but you've played good teams the whole year, so you're not really worried about, you know, what this team can or can't do. You just have to worry about taking care of your end of the deal on your side of the field. Um, so I think that was our – that was one of the best things that can come from the SEC. They were always prepared no matter who it is, and that's what Coach was always telling us. He said, it's not – you're not playing against another team in the dugout. You're playing against the game. Um so you're always just searching to to have that perfect no errors, um, you know, as a pitcher, as least amount of walks as possible, least amount of hits, just whatever the case may be. You want to have the best game you can each and every time, and that's how you win. Just like, you know, Oklahoma had just one hit more, one one call more, just something something simple that turns it around. So. I want to ask you a question about their pitcher. I can't remember her name right off the top of my head, but you being a pitcher, how much pressure? 
you know, how much pressure was on her to pitch that many games? Because the only time she got a break was game two of the World Series, and, and they were almost mm-hmm. about to bring her in. But how, how, how hard was that on her, you being a pitcher? Oh, it's, it's so, so tough. Um, I mean, I, I experienced it throwing the regionals my sophomore year. I threw every single game. Um, and it just takes a different kind of person to be – I mean, pitching is so hard in general because you're so mentally focused throughout the entire game. Um, you know, what pitch to throw to what batter and where you can and can't miss and when to throw this pitch, when to throw that pitch. It's, it's, it's mentally exhausting, to say the least. Um, it's not like you're out in the, you know, not taking anything away from any other player, but you're you're not out in the field taking breaks and between pitches. You're literally on it every single pitch. So to go through not even the physical aspect of it, but to stay locked in mentally for that long, I mean, hey, hats off to her. She did a phenomenal job, and I think that um, it just, you know, it just takes a special person to be able to stay in there and mentally compete and fight that long and that hard against people like our team who, you know, you you make mistakes and we capitalize on them. So I uh, I really thought that she did a good job, and I think that um, that's why she, you know, she won the MVP and she will, she will go on and do great things, so. Yeah, she will, and she was a, a great sportsman as well, but but, Lexi, a fun question for you. You know, I've tried to hit, you know, I'm a baseball player. i tried to hit a fast-pitch softball. I just can't do it. Have you Have you mm-hmm. had any uh, – have, have you had a chance to pitch against any baseball players and strike them out and make them look stupid? Um, I'll tell you what. I did in high school. And um, <laughs> my coach was reluctant at first, but I kind of convinced her. I was like, come on, coach. But, you know, we had a we had a literally a uh, baseball-softball scrimmage, and – the baseball players had to hit against me, and then the softball players got was probably a little unfair, but the softball players got to hit against um, just our coach throwing to them because we you can't really throw a baseball from 43 feet. But I actually ended up striking 14 out of the out of the 21 out. So um, their yeah. uh, their pride was a little bit hurt, which is kind of funny. But it was I wish we could do it here, um, but don't think coach would really be up for that. But uh, I would I would uh wouldn't mind taking on baseball players. It's fun. Well, well, I've been umpiring. I started learning how to hit a softball by umpiring uh, fast pitch. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you something about how old were you when you started pitching and and learning the mechanics of being a pitcher? Um, I started when I was ten. I started playing softball when I was eight, and they stuck me on the outfield, and I was playing with grass the whole time. So. They then moved me to third base. Um, that was a little bit better, but I didn't want to dive too much. So um, I decided – I saw my friend um, who was a pitcher at the time. She was taking a lesson over on the other field. And I was like, hey, Mom, I want to try that. So, uh, you know, after after kind of scooting around different positions, I went and joined the lesson with her. And then uh, from then, the just kind of took off, kind of found my niche and – I've been touching ever since. Played first, dabbled in first base here and there throughout high school and travel ball, but pretty much pitched the rest of the time. How important is it for young ladies, young girls, to to get a pitching coach and and to work with them throughout if they're going to make it to the college level? 
Oh, it's it's super important. I I was very very fortunate to find a a girl um, or a pitcher, Kristen Bowen, who pitched for UNC Charlotte. Um, and we got her, I started working with her probably about 11, 11, 12. And uh, she totally just turned me around because I would have had no clue what I was doing and the right mechanics. It's not to say that, you know, one person, you have to learn their correct way, but just working with someone who knows the game and knows the, the mechanics on a basic level, then you can kind of formulate a style from there. Um, just to work with somebody and talk to somebody who knows what they're doing is so helpful because it helps you to not create bad habits or, you know, fall behind where people are learning this and you're not learning that. And then you just, you know, whatever the case may be. But I just think it is so important to get with somebody who knows. And um, not to say there's not dads out there who, who, you know, can get on and, and ask questions and learn from Internet or whatever the case may be, but have someone that can physically show you and work with your daughter and just kind of get that relationship going um it's it's awesome it's a great experience well i know you know i've, I've talked to you and you're opening up you mm-hmm. started doing pitching lessons giving pitching lessons mm-hmm. to, to young ladies tell us more about that how people listening can get in touch with lexi and and hire you for services yeah, um, so I started probably about a week ago, um, last Monday. I put it on Facebook, um, and any, my my name on Facebook is Lexi Davis. You can find request me here. Um, my cell phone is on there. I have a flyer. Um, you can look at my under my pictures. I have a flyer that has the pricing. It's sixty dollars for an hour, forty dollars for half an hour, um, and then I have been scheduled for some practices for groups. Um, just different rates for different situations. So um, you can get in touch with me through Facebook Messenger or you can call or text me from my number on the flyer. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm really excited about it. I've already I had three lessons today, so it went really well. And um, I think it's so much fun, so. Well, are you, are you looking at maybe coaching one day? Um, probably not. Uh, I just... I don't know if a pitching, maybe if a pitching position became available, but um, don't think I would do the head coaching deal. It's it's a lot, a lot of work to deal with. <laughs> Seeing what Coach Myers goes through every day, I just, I don't know, probably not. I think I'm ready to try to start something new. Well, Lexi, I just want to thank you again for, for coming on tonight to our show. And congratulations on a great career at Auburn. Congratulations on being the winningest pitcher and Auburn softball history, and, and hopefully we can have you have you on again soon. Absolutely, anytime. I really, really appreciate it, and I had fun. So thank you. All right, War Eagle. War Eagle. Lexi. All right, War Eagle. All right, bye-bye. Take care. That was Lexi Davis, Auburn softball great, just a great pitcher, my favorite Auburn player by far. Cuervo, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Carvin. How about yourself? I'm good. Enjoy talking to Lexi and, and and hearing it from her point of view. What a career she's had, the winningest pitcher in Auburn history, just uh, a machine, and uh, love watching Auburn softball. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you uh, how you were able to schedule that interview, but awesome, man. As I, I listened to some of it, and uh, 
you know, it, it's funny how, you know, a lot of the most memorable moments that athletes have are whether it was high school or, or college. I mean, the pros are going to be there and you're going to, you're going to be doing that for a long time, but you know, a lot of people should, should realize you should treasure those, those moments that you have in college with your teammates and, and uh, you know, your friends and things like that. Yeah, I, I, I did talk about a high school. I don't know if you heard about this, but in the senior, she was 33 and one with a .23 or a with 279 K. Not too shabby. Where, Bob? Yeah, I'm getting some some a bad connection with you or something. I'm gonna mute you and bring you right back on. I'm just trying to to fix it. Um, Cuervo is joining us. We're going to talk NBA just for a couple more minutes. Uh, Quinn, if you're in, you're in the studio, if you want on, press one real quick. We'll get you in, get your thoughts on the NBA Finals, Lexi Davis's interview. Quinn, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, that was, that was a good interview. Thank you. Lexi did a great job, didn't she? Yeah. You asked yeah, all I mean, the questions was... I would have asked her, so you did well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I just like to get inside. I mean, I, I go back to high school because that's where really it begins for her. But what a dominant pitcher! Thirty-three and one as a senior with a point two three ERA, and twenty-five and two as a junior with a point four three ERA, and not to mention she batted four fifty. I mean, just to, to, to commit to Auburn as a sophomore and to to ride those last two seasons and focus on winning a state championship that she did. But Quinn, but, uh, she was 62 wins. She's the most in school history for Auburn. That's a lot. Yeah, she's, she has set the bar high. We'll, uh, we'll see uh, if any of these Auburn pitchers – well, there's a stud coming in, and then Michaela Martin as a freshman, she's really good. It could be getting broken in a few years. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, it will. But Lacey was, um, Lexi was one that that laid the foundation for Auburn. She was, yeah, she was there in, in her sophomore, junior, and senior years. Made two World Series, and that's always yeah. good when she when she's seventy year old. Looking back, she's seventy years old, and she's sitting there thinking, "I laid the foundation for these five or six World Series championships." that Auburn won. And I think they're going to be serious contenders just like Oklahoma for the next four or five years. I think that's for, those are the two teams you're going to hear about, Oklahoma and Auburn. I think both of them are going to be phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And from looking at the recruiting and how they're recruiting and keep on getting really good players, yeah, they're going to be set. As long as, as, long as Clint is there, they're, they're going to be set. Yeah, he's such a phenomenal coach. He's going to be able to recruit those players and uh, and be able to build on that. And Auburn's a great yeah. team, don't get me wrong, but, but the sky's the limit. He's just going to get better and better. And to turn around yeah. a team like Auburn in, in one year, really, it, that's what it took him, one year. In one year, he yeah. came in. The next two, they're in the World Series. But um, on to the NBA real quick, Quinn, before we get out of here. What do you think about game seven tonight? I think Cleveland's going to win. I don't know why. I just think LeBron James is the best player in the NBA. Who do you have and why? Well, I just have a gut feeling that Cleveland's going to win too, and I don't even really know why. 
But I you know, kind of <laughs> have a gut feeling. Yeah, I just it's just the momentum right now is have you noticed that Golden State is frustrated? Have you noticed the first time I've seen him frustrated? And it's now. And it's the wrong time to start losing your identity and losing who you are and having to change that. So so if your identity is a certain way and you've won championships this way, in order to win a championship, you're going to have to change. That's tough and frustrating. And it, it may not be enough time. I think Cleveland takes care of them tonight, man. I just I know it's in Golden State, but I just think LeBron James, all of the losses he's had in the finals, he's he's benefited from. Yeah, I know that city will go crazy if they win tonight. Have they ever won one, or has it been like fifty-eight years since? I don't think they've ever won a championship, have they? It's a, it's been like fifty some. It's been a very very long time since they've won a team championship. I was hoping Cuervo would call back in and uh, and make his prediction, but he was having some connection problems. Uh, I muted him and he he hung up, so he must be in a bad area. But uh, anything yeah. you want to talk about before we go? No, I don't think there really is. No. Well, Quinn, we'll be on this week sometime, hopefully. If not, we'll be on Sunday. I'll let you know when, but you have a good week, buddy. All right. You too. All right. Thanks. And, again, we're going to wrap up the show. A special thanks to Lexi Davis, the winningest pitcher in Auburn softball history with 62 wins, finished her career last week in the World Series. And just what a great career it was. We want to thank her uh, for coming on our show. Hopefully we can get some more of those players on and and talk some softball because I'm sure they'll be listening to our interview and realize that that, that we love Auburn too and we're going to set them up for success on these interviews and we're not going to put them in bad situations or ask some crazy questions. So we just love Lexi and we we love Auburn and, and we, we're so glad she can make it tonight. We wish her the best in her in her future career and pitching coach and whatever she does, she's going to be successful. Playing four years at Auburn, getting her master's degree, it's just setting her up for success later down the road in life. So Lexi uh, from Way in Sports, thank you for coming on the show and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Everybody else, we're going to have a show sometime this week. I will let you know during the summer it's it's harder to commit to a Wednesday night. So I'm going to let you know it'll be Wednesday or Thursday, but we'll definitely be on the air every Sunday. College football is rapidly approaching everyone, so we're going to have to get together, start talking some college football, some NFL, make our predictions. So once, once football starts, once the summer starts around July, we really start nailing down college football and giving the predictions. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised this year when, when they see college football. I think some of the teams they think are going to be real good are not going to be, and I'm going to tell you why. I've got a lot of reasons. I made a bet with someone that Alabama would have at least three losses this year, and I, I'm sticking with it, and I feel very confident about that bet. So losing some offensive linemen, uh, especially Ryan Kelly, the center, four-year starter. Cam Robinson, we don't even know if he's going to play. I mean, he's still got to go to court. Um, the, I think the East is open. I think Tennessee's a favorite, just to give you a little snapshot preview. I think it's a three-horse race between Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida. 
and I think the West is wide open again. I mean, it's, it's finishing sixth place in the SEC West sometimes isn't bad. It's just the way it is. It's loaded in the SEC West. Everybody's jumping on LSU's bandwagon. I'm not. And, and the reason is LSU can't score enough points to, to consistently win football games in the SEC. Les Miles is too stubborn. He, he, he wants to run the ball way, way too much. And they don't have the quarterback. I don't know why people are picking LSU to win a championship this year, but it's, it's just – I know they have talent on the field, but the quarterback position means a lot in the game of football, unless you're Alabama and they win anyway. But anyway, I think they're going to lose three. We're going to talk about – we're going to do our NFL projections. We're going to do each division, who's going to win in what order, who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to be the wild card, who's going to win the Super Bowl. We go all the way on this show. We're all football all the time, but we do like our college softball. We do talks and college baseball from time to time, some Major League Baseball. Uh, the Atlanta Braves with a five-game winning streak right now. Jonathan was someone we'll giving some credit. He was calling for this. He was calling for the Atlanta Braves to be very good in the near future. And, and I did say they were going to start getting hot towards the end of the year and be very good. They swept the mess on the road. They're on a five-game winning streak, 23-46. and 46. I know it's bad, but it could be a lot worse. They were a lot worse than 23-46. and 46. So we'll see how the season goes. They're not going to make the, the playoffs at all. So nobody goes quote me on that. But in the next couple of years, the Braves are going to be contenders again with the farm system they've created, the trades with Arizona and San Diego. It's going to be fun to watch the Atlanta Braves in their new stadium close to my house next year, so I don't have to drive far. But that will be it. We're going to be done, everybody, tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. Get ready for Golden State Cleveland Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Your host right here, Brian Tarvin, is picking Cleveland. Quinn just picked Cleveland. Jonathan's going with Golden State in a close game. But I just, for some reason, something's telling me that Cleveland wins this series. And Dustin Porterfield is is going to be eating a lot of crow. So, Dustin, when you're listening to this show, just make sure uh, make sure you call my name and say King Tarvin, okay? But anyway, everybody out there, thank you again. Thanks, Lexi Davis. Great interview. And we will see you Sunday, maybe even Wednesday. Take care. God bless.